Welcome everyone to episode 155 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Chloe Bloxham as we discuss Liverpool's 3-1 win over Lask. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So Liverpool are off to a winning start in the Europa League. It was a bit more difficult than we might have anticipated though. They went behind in the 15th minute thanks to a goal from Florian Flecker, which was an absolute worldie, to be honest. And they didn't get an equaliser until the 56 minutes, or about 10 minutes into the second half, when Darwin Nunez equalised in the penalty spot. And soon after that, Luis Diaz put them in front with Mohamed Salah coming off the bench in the final minute to seal the three points, which obviously gets Liverpool off to a good start in Group E. So we're going to review the performance, a few of the couple of the debuts, a few of obviously the team selection points from this one. Um, but first off, we'll do our three red match reviews. I'll just quickly um, rattle through mine. First of all, I've gone with quality shone through because that was the story. And that sometimes can be the story in these Europa League fixtures because you have these teams that haven't really played together. They've not really gelled. And then you just need those moments from the players that you have at your disposal to take it away from often weaker opponents. And that's what we saw. We saw that really with Ryan Gravenberch's cross for the Luis Diaz goal. And we'll talk about Gravenberch's performance in a bit more depth shortly. But we also saw that with the finish from Mohamed Salah as well, slipping it through the legs of the goalkeeper. Very deft finish from him um, and a very strong impact off the bench as well. Um, Chloe, I'll bring it over to you now. I mean, what would your three words be? And, And also, what did you make of that performance as a whole? I've only went with two and it's just comeback kings because I think Liverpool have kind of, you know, they're getting known for the mentality of no matter what the scoreline is, they've got the, the mentality to come back, to bounce back. Um, we need to make sure that the mentality doesn't always need to be that way because we can't keep going 1-0 down uh, in games because higher quality teams will put us to the sword, you know. We saw it against Newcastle. We were down to 10 men in that first half and Newcastle in the first 45, uh, except from Alison Becker, um, could have had two or three and then you've got a mountain to climb. But I do like the mentality shift. I do like the way we tactically change games. I like the never give up. Last season, we were far too frail. We were far too... um, we, we didn't physically bounce back out of everything. We were always stuck in the rut. Every time something went against us, we always felt sorry for ourselves. Uh, and now this season, no matter if someone scores an absolute worldy from, you know, outside the box, no matter if so, if we go down to 10 men and we're 1-0 behind it against the a side in the Champions League, uh, Liverpool's mentality is always there. It's always we can get something out of the game. Um, and I think you saw that once again today. And once again, I, I don't think we, we want to be that team because you don't want to start slow. You don't want to keep going 1-0 behind. But actually, inside the first 15 minutes, I thought Ben Duke and Harvey Elliott on that right-hand side were, were really good. Um, and they, they kind of faded in the game. I just don't think we expected Lask to come at us. I think we kind of expected Lask to sit 11 men behind the ball and just 
try and make Liverpool break them down because they did have a heavily rotated side. They had players like, you know, the right-hand side is Vegetic, Ben Doak and Harvey Elliott. I, I think they thought that, you know, Lass could just sit there and say, use three of the ball and you can try and break us down. And that's not the case. And I think Liverpool was slightly naive in that because Lask are at home and they're facing Liverpool. This is the biggest game of their entire lives. Um, inside a home crowd as well. Of course, they were going to try and come at us. And yeah, I don't think we dealt with the press. I don't think we expected it. We were quite sloppy on the ball in the first 45. And look, the goal is simply outrageous. I cannot take anything away from that lad. I literally, I screamed as if Liverpool had scored because the audacity to copy something from the training ground that you'd been working on and execute it to that against Liverpool was was brilliant from them, and fair play to Lask for that. But in the second half, uh, whatever happened in that team talk, we've done it time and time again so far this season. Liverpool came out as a different team, even with the same 11 men on the pitch. Um, and you could see us starting to really get chances and work our way into the game again. And then obviously the subs come on, the big boys come on. Uh, you've got the likes of Sobersly, who, who, who mentally is unbelievable. You've got McAllister, who's a World Cup winner. Uh, you know, you, you've got these players coming on. Um, and we brought Joe Gomez on. And what we said was, Sam, we'll stop this inverted right-back stuff. We'll go to a normal back four. And we'll just literally run you into the ground with all of our players. Um, and the quality shone through. I thought the Reds' mentality was brilliant. Um and yet we're, we're making a habit of, of this never-say-die attitude. I know it's only last in the Europa League, but still um, being 1-0 down in that game with a heavily rotated side, there's a lot of players who might have hid from that or just, you know, maybe when they came on, they're like, oh, it's Europa League. I can't really be asked because it's not the Champions League anymore. But instead, no, we, we flipped the switch. We showed the fight. We showed the mentality that we wanted to win. And ultimately, the clash on the pitch at that point was far too much for Lask. Yeah, obviously, there's a few important things to pick up on there. I mean, you know, the comebacks are, are undeniable. But like you mentioned, it's not necessarily a sustainable habit for a side that has Liverpool's ambitions. You know, you can't be needing to score two goals to win every game. I mean, that's a given, really. Um, and I think you were you know, spot on as well with the point about how the high press from Lask, obviously Liverpool will have, you know, scouted the opponents and all that, but it, it did cause problems at the start and they seem to be targeting by Setic as well, knowing that he was in an unfamiliar position, obviously um, on the right of that back four and, and he had a bit of difficulty navigating that. And you, like you rightly say, probably the biggest game in that football club's history, you know, they played Manchester United a few years ago in the Europa League, but I think that game was behind closed doors which obviously takes quite a lot away from it. Um, and it's interesting that you mentioned the goal. And, you know, you, at a certain point, I mean, you know, maybe there's an argument Liverpool should have done better to close the player down, but the finish is still absolutely kind of one in a hundred, really. Um, absolutely no chance for Keller, no chance for any goalkeeper in the world. And I saw Andrew Beasley point out on Twitter, interestingly, that was pretty much a, a mirror image of the goal. Sob a slice scored against Aston Villa, so that we've almost had our own weapon used against us there in a way. But you mentioned there the mentality and you know obviously credit to Liverpool for being able to fight back and, and regain in that part of their game. Do you think in the first half there was a bit of a problem with the team's attitude though? I mean you mentioned there being a bit naive, maybe being a bit shocked, but it felt like it was maybe a bit casual, a bit arrogant. Just, you know, Liverpool have they they know that they should be a Champions League team. They know that the Europa League is basically a stop for them on, on the way back to the Champions League. 
Do you think it looked a little bit like that in the first half, or am I being a bit unfair on them? Yeah, maybe we underestimated the opponents. I think there was also a lot of nerves. Look, you're looking at a right-hand side of Stefan Bajetta, who's never played the inverted right-back role for Liverpool. And the player who does play it is Trent Alexander-Arnold, who might be one of the best passers uh, of a football in the world. Uh, you had Harvey Elliott, who, you know, was... A, a, he's a very young lad, but he was on the right-hand side with... Ben Doak, who's just got his massive contract, but it was his full debut. You had Gravenberch, who's only just stepped into the club. You had Endo, who's got a lot to prove, probably feels um, quite a weight on his shoulders. Uh, you, you had Kanate, who's been lobbed back in because Joel Matip, we we know he's made a paper and we're a little bit worried that he can't play two games a season, so we've had to put Kanate back in there. You've had Costas, who is, you know, not at Robertson's level. Uh, and he's trying to fight for his place. You've got Kelleher, who the last time he played against Southampton, he looked rusty as anything. So there was probably a lot of nerves in there as well. There was people making full debuts. There was long, young lads on the pitch. There was players who have, feel like they've got to prove themselves uh, and have a little bit of pressure on them. So I think that's also a, a part of it. And maybe we did underestimate Lask a little bit. Maybe we thought that, you know, this group of lads would, would be able to turn Lask over. Um, and that wasn't the case because Lask put up, put up a fight and they put us under pressure. And a lot of the players who I mentioned there maybe didn't really stand up to the task. I mean, we'll get into some of them in a bit. Um, but in that first half, it felt like we weren't winning our physical battles. It felt like, you know, we were, we were making really sloppy passes. We were far too um, just calm on the ball when... You needed a bit of urgency. What I will say is that there was some good spellers in there in which Liverpool created chances. You know, Darwin Nunes has two headers, uh, one from literally point-blank range. Ben Doak fizzes two excellent balls in that no one's gambled on. Uh, Costas found himself central and had a shot. I think Gravenberch was really good at pulling the strings. It, it was mad how he was on the left-hand side of, of the midfield in that eight role. But every time I, I saw him on the ball, he was occupying that number 10 role. Uh, he was brilliant on the half turn. Every time he received the ball, he, he was on the spin. He was spinning a lad and getting... Uh, getting basically taking a player out the game and advancing us up the pitch. So there was spells where Liverpool, you thought, oh, but actually, you know, this might be a good period of the game where we, we were on top. But I think ultimately, maybe nerves and maybe, you know, us having a heavily rotated side, a group that I've never played together. Uh, that That's that's another point to, to make. Um, and on top of that, we had loads of possession. I think we had around 70% possession in the first half. We just never had it in the right areas. How many times Luis Diaz got one-on-one and Costas just was never o- overlapping him? We had to keep recycling the ball backwards to Virgil van Dijk or to Costas inside. Um, so, yeah, it was... I think tactically we weren't always there, uh, especially with Stefan Bajetic. I thought he struggled, and I'm not digging him out. It, he's a lad who's been injured for how long he was brilliant for Liverpool last season he's playing in a role that he's never played with he's not got a full strength team in front of him and alongside him so you know we, we struggled in certain areas of the park um, and ultimately that what, that's what made Liverpool quite boring in the first half we lacked you know the sharpness the real edge in the in the final third um, and I'm putting a little bit down to nerves and a little bit down of maybe underestimating what Lask could do and what Lask would do, and maybe thinking that we'd we'd just scare Lask by being Liverpool Football Club. 
um, and that doesn't work. And we've shown from last season and actually earlier on in this season that if you actually attack Liverpool, there are mistakes there that Liverpool will make. Um, and we did so with the sloppy passes. I think Gravenberch had like a 70% pass accuracy in the first half, which is not a Liverpool passer. That's just not, it needs to be much higher than that. Um, so, yeah, there was there was a couple of areas over the park, which just, we weren't, there was no cohesion. We weren't fast enough. Uh, we made, weren't making the pitch big. We weren't getting people close enough to the goal. Um, and that all changed in the second half. It absolutely did, and, and you know, you used the word boring for the first half there. I think you're absolutely spot on. It was just everything was so flat. The game felt like it was being played at walking pace. I mean, even just watching it on the television, there was this sort of weird disconnect with, with the the audio. It felt like, and everything was just kind of quite quiet and like a preseason friendly, and every single sort of ingredient of it was just quite painful to watch. I'll be honest, and the whole I was quite looking forward to the game just because. You know, you get to see these young players, you're getting to see a couple of new signings, a few players who are on the fringes and things like that. And, and that is something to be, you know, celebrated, I think. And it's an opportunity to to rotate. And we were willing to kind of embrace, obviously, the Europa League. But then you kind of see in the first half when a few things go wrong, when, you know, like you mentioned, the players don't have them relationships, when the players maybe aren't completely on point with their attitude and they're making sloppy mistakes. And that was kind of the cocktail in the first half then it can be a little bit frustrating, um, to say the least. You know, it was it was tough viewing that first half and Liverpool, obviously, hopefully a bit of a wake-up call for them in terms of, you know, you, you are probably the best team in this competition, but if you aren't firing in these games, you can still find yourself on the end of an upset and obviously upsets in the Europa League are a lot more shameful than, than ones in, in the Champions League, but Liverpool stayed clear of that in the end. I think there was a moment for me in the first half where Canate kind of, strolls out to the Liverpool right to, to try and stop a cross and you know the player just goes past them and then he tries to whip the ball into the box and Canate's attempt to block it is just him dangling out a leg quite idly and I was like he looks like a man who's just like at 50% who doesn't want to get himself hurt because he doesn't think the game's that important and to be fair to Canate you know that's just one example he he stepped up he had a good game in the end but that moment for me kind of epitomised where Liverpool were after for much of this game as well, where it was kind of like a bit half measures. And, uh, you know, obviously Klopp did make a lot of changes, but maybe you expected to see a little bit more kind of fire from those players in terms of, you know, you mentioned, like you mentioned, Chloe, a lot of them uh, were out of the side. Um, I want to move on to uh, Ryan Gravenberch in a second. Obviously, we've touched on him once or twice already, but was there someone else you wanted to add first, Chloe? Yeah, I think I think it was a bit surprising to see some of the players who... You felt like, lads, go and aim the shirt. Go and make, make your stance for challenging the, the player who's in your position. Costas was one of them. There was a specific moment in that first half where I was so close to wanting to knock out Costas. And it was about, about two minutes before half-time. And we'd won the ball back. And he was in the middle of the park. And we were breaking away. We had, I think it was Ben Doak. We had Darwin Nunes. And we had uh, Luis Diaz. And it was a 3v2. And he took so long to pass this ball. 
and he got it stuck under his feet because he took that many touches and their players got back. They fouled him eventually, but it was just, it was like the urgency wasn't there. It was all in front of you. Everyone was screaming for a pass out wide to Lewis Diaz and acres of space. Bear in mind, you had Ben Duke and, Dar- uh, and Darwin Nunes who were 1v1 against their defenders and we'd outnumbered them and we'd broke away. We'd won the ball and Costas, ha- having it all in front of him, and having about 10 seconds of free running into that area just took far too much time. It was like he didn't expect anyone would be busting a gut to get back. And they did. Of course they did. And in the end, they fouled him. And it's OK because they've stopped a counter-attack. They've stopped a, a potential goal. And that's what it felt like. It felt like Liverpool were just not getting in the right areas because of decision-making or not getting players close enough to the area or not helping by overlapping and causing a little bit of space. Um, and, and Costas, I pick him out because I didn't think he did a lot in the game. And I thought, you know, he's one of them where there's been question marks over Robertson since last season with this new formation. Go and make sure that you, you put a marker down to Jürgen Klopp. Go and make sure that your name is in the hat you know, for weekends to come. And I don't think he did that. And his performance was just very, very lackadaisical. Uh, yeah, to be honest, I think Simicast, you know, he, I thought he started the game reasonably well. He looked like someone who could, you know, create something for Liverpool, which you couldn't say about a lot of the players. But I do think he really did kind of fade a little bit. And, and I agree with you in the sense that it definitely was an opportunity missed for him. I mean, there's talk about him signing a new contract. And I obviously, I think that's, you know, great news because... He's in terms of a backup to Robertson, you're really going to struggle to get much better than him. But certainly from his standpoint, you know, he's basically signing himself up to a few more years of being that backup player. And if he's going to kind of play like he did tonight, then he's not necessarily got that much of a chance of um, of improving his standard in the squad, um, unfortunately. But obviously, you know, he's still presumably got a few more opportunities to come in this conversation and hopefully performs a little bit better, as you could say, for a few of the players who got chances tonight. So, one of the debutants, there was two, was uh, Ryan Gravenberch. Obviously, came on against uh, Wolves at the weekend, but this was his first start since obviously arriving from Bayern Munich in the summer. So, how do you think he did, Chloe? I thought he was man of the match. I thought in the first half he was the shining light of it. I thought he was a bit too sloppy with his passing. Uh, obviously, I mentioned earlier he had quite a low passing accuracy for for a Liverpool midfielder, but I just loved that every time he got the ball, his intent was instantly, how am I dragging Liverpool up the pitch? How am I causing a chance? How am I creating something? Um, I think he finished the game with um, the most chances created as well. He made two in the first half. He obviously gets the assist in the second. But I was just so impressed by him. He looked so silky. He still needs to improve. He's still only a young lad. But every time we found him, he'd found himself space. He'd created the space for himself with his movements. And when he received it, like I mentioned earlier, he was always on the half turn. He was always looking to roll a midfielder and get us up the pitch. He was always looking to really create stuff. He was very intricate with his football. He's brilliant in tight areas. In and around the box, the one-two touch passing. Um, I thought, you know, aside from the sloppy passes here and there, I did think he was our best player on the pitch. Uh, in that first half, which is quite surprising because there is, you know, it's his, it's his first game. You know, you expected maybe Harvey Elliott to, to maybe be a bit better in his first 45. Endo, who'd been here for a little bit longer. Um, but Gravenberch was the standout player for me in that first half. And then in the second half, 
when you get McAllister on, who I felt Liverpool were, were screaming out for him. The game wasn't really there for Endo. Endo is the type of player who is a destroyer. He wins the ball back off, off players. He's your defensive mid. Liverpool didn't really need the defensive mid because of how much they held the ball. They needed someone who was really good on the ball. Like against Aston Villa, where we risked it and we put McAllister in the DM position because we knew we needed a better ball player in that role. And when McAllister came on and Sobersly slotted into the position and you had a midfield three of Gravenberch, Sobersly and McAllister, it was it was like what dreams are made of. If that's our midfield um, in the future, I cannot wait. And I think the snippets that we saw at Gravenberch tonight, it, it's only exciting. His assist is world-class, by the way. It's absolutely outrageous. First of all, from being on you know the left-hand side of midfield, to making that run, the intelligence of the run to help out Harvey Elliott. And the ball by Harvey Elliott's really, really good. But you don't expect players in that position to do the first-hand ball. I was screaming back post, back post to Luis Diaz. But actually, when a player is running full throttle at that, at that speed, in that direction, to really wrap their foot around that ball and make it pinpoint is absolutely ridiculous technique. You tend to see a lot of players either not even look up. The fact that he had the vision to look up as he was running and knew the player was there to begin with and the run had been made. But also you expect players to maybe take a touch and then finesse it or maybe they're too scared to risk doing the ball and it being five yards behind Luis Diaz or being too close to the goalkeeper and then really ruining in quite a good move. You'd expect them to take a couple of touches, pass it back and recycle the ball. But Gravenberch backed himself. Um, and the way he wrapped his foot around it, it was inch perfect. The ball couldn't get any better. Luis Diaz literally just had to make contact and it was a goal. It was that good. And he deserved that. I felt like he put in all the work. He created decent chances. He's been good enough. He deserved the assist. And he, he got that assist that he deserved. And I, I was absolutely made up to see his qualities. He can get better. He can improve. That's the most exciting part of it. Tonight, I've walked away thinking he's man of the match and thinking we've signed an absolute, you know, superstar or potential superstar. Um, and the fact that he can only improve is, is even better. And once he starts to really understand the players around him, the movements around him better, what Klopp wants from him exactly, it can only get better and better for him. And even, you know, just before he went off, the 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 way he grabs the ball, I think McAllister throttles a ball at him. His first touch is incredible. And once again, it's on the half turn. He's already ready to go. He drags us up the pitch. He chooses the wrong option in the end. He did this twice. I think it was both Diaz and, and um, Darwin in the first half. He turned someone, ran up the pitch. The ball should have been to Darwin Nunes. He tried to hard the ball to Lewis Diaz. It didn't work out. In the second half, he did it again on the half turn. Carried us up the pitch. We were 2v2. He was he got stuck in two minds and ended up didn't didn't do anything. He passed the ball back to them basically. But they're the positions that you like to see him in. And once he gets a bit of clear mind, he was also he's not played footy in how long. He's not played 90 minutes. So at that point in the game, his legs probably were absolutely tired off him and his brain was so confused with which option to choose. Once he gets that as well into his locker, where he just instinctively does it, he just picks one route and sticks to it. Um, in terms of passing in those moments, he'll be even better because tonight he could have had a couple of hat tricks if he uh, a couple of hat tricks, sorry, a couple of assists if he um if he would have picked the right pass. And yeah, I thought he was he was brilliant tonight. Um, and I cannot wait to see more of him. Yeah, I think that's a a pretty perfect summary, really. I mean, 
I think the point you made at the end as well about how he's not necessarily going to have that sharpness because he's coming from a situation of Bayern where he'd basically get on for 10, 15 minutes or he wouldn't play at all. And then obviously today he's been asked to kind of start and, and play um, 75 minutes as it was in the end. And obviously we saw him go down and what, what we thought was um, initially a, a muscle injury potentially, which was a concern. Klopp's come out and said in his um, his post-match interview, apparently that that's only, only cramp. But that, to be honest, adds to the sense that this was a big step up for him in terms of his level of involvement uh, and the intensity that he's been used to playing. And I do wonder, like you say, Chloe, how much that does explain some of the maybe sloppy decisions, sloppy passes that we saw from him today. I think the point you make about him receiving the ball on the turn as well, um, it's just going to make him so good to watch. And that, and that was really one of the outstanding things that you saw today because I don't really think Liverpool have anyone else who, who plays like him. Um, so it's it's quite refreshing in that way. And you could see how, how difficult it is to deal with because he got fouled four times, um, which is more, more than any other yeah, Liverpool I was, player. I was literally about to say that. We haven't even mentioned his physicality in that. He literally was possibly the most foul player on the football pitch. And, and a lot of people can turn around and say, well, maybe he's holding the ball too long. But it wasn't that. It's the way he draws people in. Uh, and he ends up causing the foul. In the first 15 seconds, he gets completely and utterly wiped out. It's a horrific tackle. I don't know how it's not a yellow card. But throughout the game, I kept thinking to myself, you know, someone's good when they're getting this fouls, this many fouls. They're just drawing people in, passing it, and the, the defenders are too slow. He was constantly, with his physicality, protecting the ball and winning the fouls. Um, and I, I thought that was brilliant as well. Yeah, because essentially he's like committing the player because of kind of the, the body shape he has when he receives the ball, because he is almost turning already. It's like, hang on, there's an opportunity here to nip in and win it, but he's too quick for them. He's too clever for them, and he's turning away. Um, and I just think that when, I mean, what we saw today, I think was probably like a seven, 70% version of, of what Ryan Gravenberg can actually do. So the, the thought of him being able to ramp up to 100% is very exciting, I think, um, as well. And it's almost like sometimes he, he's playing at an angle, like that—that's that, the best way I can think to describe it. Really, is like he's always kind of on the half turn, or he's or he's leaning in one direction or another to kind of like try and sell the defender and things like that. And it is kind of a very almost high octane style of football. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing more of him. And I think you're spot on as well regarding the assist. Um, a fantastic, you know, sometimes. You see an assist where it's just a, a basic square ball, but that was a, a anything but. I mean, great vision from him, and obviously the execution was was top as well. And also, I mean, we'll uh, we won't kind of dwell on him, but obviously with Tari Wendo making his uh, his second start, I think it was for Liverpool today. I think another key point you made there, Chloe, was about how he wasn't really suited to this game in the end. I can understand why he played. Don't get me wrong, because. Obviously, he's been sat on the bench a lot in, in the recent Premier League matches with McAllister being favoured in that deeper role. But he will probably come into his own in games where Liverpool have less of the ball, weirdly, um, because he didn't necessarily look like he was um, best equipped to be someone who was trying to break the lines. And obviously, McAllister and Sobosly were more suited to that. So let's um, just finish off by touching on Ben Doak. Um, I'm pretty sure it was his first Liverpool start today. Obviously, we've seen a few substitute appearances. There was a lot of talk beforehand about how, you know, he could get plenty of game time in this competition. Um, what did you make of him, Chloe? 
Yeah, I was really excited to, to see him on the team sheet, to be honest. I, I think we all was begging for him to, to get his start. He recently just signed a new contract. He's just electric. He's so exciting. And like I said um, earlier, in the first 15 minutes, his link-up play with, with Harvey Elliott was really good. He backs himself. I absolutely love that. Uh, and I think I think we also need to take into consideration he surely had to have some sort of, of nerves. You know, it's his first full debut and it's it's in the Europa League. Um, you know, I think even at his age, he probably didn't think he'd be here, but he he is. He is on the biggest his biggest stage uh, for Liverpool. He's playing in European competitions, and it was a game in which he had his moments, and I think he faded a little bit, but he did have his moments. I think uh, what what I love to see is he he always stands his defender up, and there was twice he did this that I can remember in the first half. He stands his defender up faints to go inside but goes back outside to hit the byline and his extra bit of pace means he's just got the yard on everyone and he whips two balls in the second one is absolutely outrageous as a ball and the fact that Darwin Nunes hasn't banked on the back post and no one's gambled on him getting that ball across is ridiculous because he could have had two assists today if people had just made the runs and if people would have just gambled on him actually getting the ball into the box because he hit the ball at the byline twice and twice he did two incredible balls took the keeper out of the game took the defenders out of the game but there was no Liverpool player to tap it in Um, so yeah he had his moments I thought he faded but once again he was on the right-hand side with Harvey Elliott, who's a teenager, and Stefan Bajetic, who, you know, hasn't played this inverted right-back role and is only just coming back from injury. I think if he would have had, you know, maybe a sob slide there, or even the likes of Joe Gomez there, um, um, and, and Harvey Elliott, maybe he'd have been, uh, he wouldn't have to be as disciplined and he maybe would have had more space. But yeah, he had his moments. I think he fades the times, which is expected. Uh, but I love the fact that he always keeps trying. He's one of those players who, because of how much he tries and how much he'll take a defender on and back him, he is going to lose the ball sometimes. And he, he did that today. But I like the confidence he had to, to take people 1v1. Uh, and like I mentioned, he, I, I, I saw some good spells from him. He put some really good balls into the box. I was actually really surprised to see that he was the first sub. Um, I wouldn't have been as surprised if it was a Ben Doak for Salah swap. Like, that wouldn't have surprised me. But it was the fact that he hooked Ben Doak off, then put Harvey Elliott right wing and Sobersly at right, right centre mid. It was very mad because I, I'm not the biggest lover of Harvey Elliott as a right winger, just for pace reasons. So that was a little bit surprising to me. I, I thought Ben Doak probably wasn't the first uh, name to, to be a sub. But... Um, it also, he's he's a young lad. We don't want to overdo it. He's probably had 55 minutes there and Liverpool have probably already told him, we're going to save you, lad. We're not putting too much pressure on you. We want you to, you know, be available to potentially scare West Ham for the last 20 minutes because him coming on in games is going to be so scary because Liverpool have ragged the team round and had them moving from side to side for 70 minutes. And then you've got the likes of Ben Doak with his electric pace coming in. It's a scary thought. So, yeah, I thought he didn't have his greatest performance. You saw signs of a brilliant player. He's electric. Um, his end product, like people talk about his end product not being there, but if someone's actually on the end of the balls and made the correct runs, he could probably walk away with two assists tonight, but no one gambled on them. Um, so, yeah, it was a hot and cold night for him. 
but he's he's a young lad. That's what you're supposed to expect. He's not going to come in and be perfect. Um, and I still think he's going to be an absolute superstar for Liverpool, and I cannot wait to see more of him. Yeah, I think there's there's a difference as well between what he's been being used to, where he's kind of come on in, in games and been able to kind of just you know focus almost solely on on running at his fullback. It, it felt like, but but now obviously starting a game is, is a different task, and you could see it maybe adjusting to the different uh, responsibilities of his role um, today. And I thought he he looked a little bit frustrated at times. I mean, he made he made a couple of fouls. I think he was in maybe one or two kind of exchanges with the last player and things like that. And, you know, it's obviously, you know, when you're a young player, you are, you are desperate to kind of make that impact. And I hope that that club gives him a chance in, in the next game in the Europa League, which I think is against um, USG in um, a couple of weeks' time, because that one's at Anfield. And I think it's obviously playing away from home in Europe is very different to, to playing at home. And, um, I, I do think while today maybe wasn't the most kind of spectacular debut, you've obviously got to manage expectations a bit. And I'd definitely be in favour of, of giving him um, another chance in that one. And obviously there's the game against uh, Leicester next week in the Carabao Cup as well, um, which is probably a, a prime Ben Doak game as well as a few other youngsters. There's something else you want to add, Chloe? Yeah, you, you've just mentioned them there, getting into altercations with, with the last players. I like that. I like it a lot. Because it shows it shows how much he cares. He shows he's not scared. I mean, he, he did it against uh, Aston Villa, I think it was. He had Luca Dean on toast. Um and I like that he can he, he's he's a he's a short young lad, but he's not he's not scared. Um I like that he has that ruthlessness in him. And if someone says something to him, he'll say something back. I think he told someone to F off halfway through the first half, and I was like, you know what? I, I don't mind that from you. I like the emotion as as long as you don't go headbutting people and getting red cards. I'm fine with it, but I like his the the fact that he doesn't take any crap, no matter the level of opponents he's up against, or the fact that you know he's a young lad who's only just making his way through the ranks. I like the fact that he backs himself. I like the fact that he's not scared to have a go at the opposition. Um, and and that just to me, it means like I, I wouldn't like to go up against Benzo and I want I want players of the opposition to think that that oh my god I don't want to go up against him uh, and if he can create that for himself there's also like an aura there that he that he can that he can build but yeah I like the fact that he doesn't take crap I like the fact that he backs himself the fact that he, he he's having a go at opposition players just shows his desire just shows how much he wants it um and shows that he's absolutely not scared. He's not going to sit there and because he's a young lad get picked on and think he's out of out of his range at being in you know the Europa League. He's given it back to them, and I'm all for that. Yeah, and I think this this competition and particularly the group stage is obviously the time where you want to kind of see what these young players are all about. Um, obviously you can't you know go too far with it, but if there's anyone who I want to be really seeing getting the opportunities in this tournament this year, then I think uh, Ben Doak is, is the man, definitely. And uh, just before we finish, one one quick mention from me for Mohamed Salah, who obviously not only scored today, but this was a player who was promoted into the leadership group in the summer and I thought showed leadership when he came onto the pitch today in terms of the injection of energy. It was like watch, it was like someone had turned the game up to 1.5 speed when, when Salah came on in all facets, really. And, and that was, um, I think, much appreciated uh, from Salah. And obviously, we'll see how much he figures in the remainder of these group stages. Hopefully, he's not needed too many more times, but help settle the game for Liverpool today with his little 15-minute cameo. So, yeah, we'll leave it there for this podcast. Uh, thanks very much, everyone, for listening. 
If you have enjoyed it, please do give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. And remember, if you follow the podcast and press the notification button, it'll appear in your feed and you'll also get a message every time we post a new episode. And you can also email us, redzonerestrictedpodcast at gmail.com with any questions or comments. And we'll be back after the game against West Ham on Sunday in the Premier League. So we will see you then.